1: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Good morning, this is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker and Talk of the Devils social media manager Dave Murphy to talk over the last um, a couple of weeks at United. The last time you saw this podcast, it was Dave hosting, making multiple jokes at my expense, and, and Paul laughing along with them. Like, and I joined in the comments. I was here. I was here. I was just,
3: re- I was just respecting my
4: host. That's all I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, we have a lot of material, so you
2: know you. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, how are you doing, Paul? You all right?
3: Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Not bad
4: at all.
2: Good and um, Debo, how are we doing?
4: All good. I'm glad to be out of the hot seat. You know the, the pressure, the the phone calls, the media requests. You know, I'm yeah. glad all that's gone now that I'm out of the hot seat.
2: Yeah, my phone is extremely cold this morning. hasn't <laughs> hasn't rung once as <laughs> as hasn't with <hasn't, laughs> the single message. Um, Actually, that that's not true. I, I posted a thread on Twitter last night um, about the goal, Gonacho's goal, and it's blown up a little bit. It's kind of funny. I, I put a list of um, great goals, seismic goals in United history, kind of goals that um, if they were a great player and it was a great moment and they had something which elevated everything... Um, I tried to include that moment on the list. I inevitably missed a few. I was sort of like rushing it through just to post it. Really, um, I had a lot of people sort of saying, oh, "You you missed this one. You missed that one." But that's part of the fun of the conversation, right? Do you know, um, I definitely missed a lot. Missed Norman Whiteside's goal in the 1985 Cup Final. Missed. Um, I've just missed Paul's goals off the list completely, which is unforgivable, um, considering the number of goals that he scored. But uh, you had a, a few people that say, No, oh, you missed this Rooney one, you missed that Ronaldo one. The point was to find the moment of one player really and sort of like use that as the definition point because th- that's the point with the Garnaccio goal is that every, I can't imagine, maybe there will be, uh, it's just such a high bar. I, I don't mean this as a criticism. When you've done something that's that extraordinary, like David Beckham, really, like, you always go back to 96 and that goal from the halfway line and he did some incredible things after, after a bit. It was so different, so extravagant. And it launched a star. And we've been waiting for that moment from Garnaccio. And maybe there will be more moments of inconsistency and frustration. But it's difficult to see um, how we take him out of the side after something like that. Anyway, uh, we'll get into that. If you're watching live on YouTube, feel free to subscribe, like, get your comments and questions in if you're watching. If you're watching the replay as well, uh, do comment and reply. Uh, we we reply to the comments. I mean, if you listen back on the audio podcast, if you can subscribe and leave a positive review on the platform you're listening on as well. Um, Johnny jumps in the comments, says, "Morning, gents, catching this late. What have I missed? Uh, you haven't joined us late. We're three minutes in. Johnny, all you've missed is me rambling for three minutes. No one's got a word in yet. Um, <laughs> what have I missed? Gonachos is the best goal I've seen for this club. I'm 45 years old, so I've seen a few. I'm roughly the same age. Dave's a few years older than us both." Oh. Okay. <laughs> sorry about that weeks. <laughs> um, you haven't missed anything we're going to get straight into the goal now um, oh Dan as well Goal. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do this got Nacho goal versus Everton yesterday or oh, Paul Parkers versus Reading in 1996 Paul Parkers against Spurs in 93 um, very very good goal uh, but I, I, I've made enough fun at Paul on this podcast with a Reading goal as, as good as it was. Um, you don't see Trent Alexander Arnold scoring goals like that, do you? He's so, C's goal the other day was all right. There's no Paul Parker against Reading. Anyway, um, let's talk about Garnacho's goal um, a couple of minutes into the game. Across, the, the, in fact, the whole build was smooth and nice. It was kind of like um, I'm trying to think of the goals that are so earlier. There was one of the, I think it was one of the Villa goals, wasn't it? Where Spurs just sort of like stood stationary and let Villa do it. And oh, yeah. you might say, in some extent, that this goal was like that. I mean, you've got Lindelof's pass out to Rashford. Rashford just poses perfectly, weights the ball nicely. You know, he had a stinker of a game, Rashford, but that moment you know, was, was fine. And Dallow's cross was perfect. And Gonacho, everything then is about him, the technique, the, the two steps bike or two or three steps bike to get himself into that body shape. And then the technique, the, the connection, everything. The bewilderment, you know. I think he admitted afterwards that he didn't even realise it had gone in. He just, you know, went with the um, the reaction of the crowd and everything like that. And it was just instantly, instantly. There's a comparison to Wayne Rooney because you can tell straight away the the technique is is exactly the same. There's no denying that. With and uh, no, no amount of um, Retroactive analysis over the Rooney one and so say it came off his shin and everything like that. Uh, you know, the technique was exactly the same. Rooney's technique was magnificent, but it's the connection, really. It's the pureness of the connection, the purity of it, and and how it flies into the top corner, which really sets this one apart as a truly, truly great goal in Manchester United history. And Paul, I think that's the the place I'm going to start off with. Really, it's, it's we'll talk about the game obviously, but. You've got to talk about that moment in isolation because it's just an incredible goal.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, only certain players can do that, and only certain players would have, would take that on. To be perfectly honest, on there, Dallo's cross was just well, it was it was just a delivery in the box. Did Dallo set that up for him to to attack it like that? No, he didn't. He just put a ball into an area. But now that ball into the area has been has become like an iconic ball for an iconic goal. And, that, yeah. and that's the way those kind of things work. And so when you when you relate that goal with Rooney, you're still talking about two completely different players at that at that time in their lives. To be honest, because Rooney then was was you know was the best kid around. It was yeah. simple as that. Why Ganacho is still trying to find his feet, still trying to find a regular place in the side. Does that give him a, a longer stint? Yes, it does. It gives him that little bit more time. And as you just mentioned. Other really than the goal, there was there wasn't a lot in his game really. There were still those questions still to be asked. Is he a starter or is he an impact player about yeah. him? But that goal has made a difference. In certain ways, David Beckham, when he scored his one, the Wimbledon one, yeah. David hadn't really made his mark, but that goal certainly gave gave him a, a lot to go on, didn't it, from that moment on. So maybe this this could be his moment, but it's up to him to see if he can if he takes it on. He's, it's down to him how he goes from here. But the one thing I will say is that he's got to do, he's got to find his own celebration.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doing the Rooney, uh, Ronaldo one, wasn't it? We've got a couple yeah. of comments in here. Um, Nicholas says, Morning, guys. Please take some responsibility. I know the media outlet seems to be doing it. Drop an honourable mention to the King of Bicycle Kicks, Dimitar Berbatov. The goal against Liverpool, obviously. Um, it's like David Beckham's goal in the 99 semi-final, isn't it? Like, no one ever talks about that one because Giggs scored that goal and no one ever talks about the Berbatov one because of what Rooney did later in the season. But yeah, you're quite right that in, in that art trick and in off the bar against Liverpool at the Stretford. End, it's just such a, an amazing goal. We've got a question for you straight away, Paul, on, on this. Another king of the bicycle kicks who used to play with uh, Mark Hughes, a, a favourite of this podcast. How many times do we eulogise about Mark Hughes on this pod? Um I talk about Paddy Barclay had a great line about um, Mark Hughes in the 80s. He said he was the most evocative player United have produced through the academy since George Best. And what he meant by that was like was something fated around him. You know, like he, he was there for big moments. He always had like a saying, Destiny, Rotterdam, all of them in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, as, as was rightly pointed out to me on Twitter, he scored one for Wales against Spain, which was kind of yeah. similar. And, and in a way... I mean, he's fashioned that goal himself because he throws himself up to, to that bicycle kick. Um, this question Elves Parsley asks uh, you, Paul, did uh, Sparky used to practice those overhead kicks in training?
3: Not really. I mean, Sparky, was one, it's like when we used to have five-a-side games, if it was five-a-sides or anything, where you, your teams, you wouldn't want Sparky or you wouldn't want a Chucky in your team because Chucky will just do what he wanted to do. Chucky he would just like pick and choose, and you have Sparky would go around like a man possessed, and just give him the ball, and he would just try all the tricks in the world. Just he yeah. do, he'll just, you just wouldn't want him around. And you'll, you toss a, a ball, would be tossed into the box somewhere, and Sparky would just try the most audacious things. Just that, just randomly, just try different things. Was there training sessions set up for Sparky to do, to do what he'd done? No, Sparky was all natural ability, incredible. Incredible in what he could do, and the reason why he comes up so much, Wayne, is because of maybe the way we look at it. And we, if if Manchester United had half a dozen Mark users in the side, Manchester United wouldn't be where they are now because the one thing they would do that's teams that may have beaten them or nicked something, they'd be rubbed in, they'd be having a few bruises on them, they'll you know, they'll know they've had to work hard. And but, um, no, Sparky was. He comes up because of what he was, really. He was just a player. I've ne- I'd, I've never come across anybody playing against him it was horrible, playing against him, because you, you knew if he was having a bad... If he was making his game bad, he would make yours bad as well. He wouldn't make it easy. And that was against him. With him, it was good to watch what other people... While well, other people were getting the wax and that around him. You know, so when you talk about him and what... He, I mean, I was lucky enough I never come across him at youth football... But People talk about him at youth football and they say he was abs- – him and Norman, when they played together in that youth side, they were incredible together. Yeah. You know, and Blackmore, Clayton Blackmore says so many things, he talks about it because, Black- you know, the, the best supporter of Sparky, his biggest idol is Clayton Blackmore. Yeah. Without no,
2: shadow. Yeah. He's, yeah, you're right. Um, uh, and We've got a comment in there from Johnny who said um, he was um, – he was Johnny's original and first favourite United player. So much passion fighting, And, of course, the amazing goals. He ever score a boring one. I was trying to think about this because it was asked to me on Twitter as well yesterday. And I was thinking that even his tap-ins would be thumped into the net, wouldn't they? You know, he was sort of the other way of doing it. Um, Devo, it was his uh,
3: emotion after Wayne as well when he scored a goal. Remember the goal against Wimbledon? Yeah. Wimbledon, oh. uh, the, the, volley, the volley, wasn't it? He was a body, I think he's it. And he's just so... In, it was instinctive, and it was just... And again, you, everything was Sparky was done. It was textbook. The what, Everything he struck, and you think, yourself, yeah, that's how you kick a ball. That's how you strike a ball. But you go, hold on a minute. That's not actually in the book, that style. But Sparky made things look so good as what you was just alluding to. You talked about his tappings. His tappings just did look good because of the way he'd done it, the style we had done it, the finesse he done it. Sparky never done anything scruffy, really. The only scruffy things he'd done, I suppose, was maybe the grapples he got in with centre-halves.
2: Yeah. The um, the goal against Sheffield Wednesday as well. I, I remember um, that was, I mean, the Sheffield Wednesday game is that the Manchester United team that Paul played in is genuine apex, 5-0. All goals were just incredible. There's the, one where Canton lets it go across his body. And oh, God, I think Paul plays a big part in the build-up for that one.
3: So the one you're talking about, Spark, is the one that comes over his shoulder and he's running through. And he, oh, he, he pins it, it and exactly the underside about, of the
2: bar. Yeah, about 35 yards out. And, yeah. I, and I remember the commentary on it. The commentary, like, you know... Obviously, people, the commentators are paid, and they're waiting for that moment to wax lyrical. But the commentator for that one just goes, "Wow!" Like Alan Partridge, <laughs> um, <laughs> he just like, "Flack, that was a goal." Um, Dave, uh, we've obviously we can talk about Mark Hughes for for another forty minutes. I'm quite happy to do that, but we got to talk about Nacho's goal. Um, where, where, talk me through your experience of watching it and and where it stands for you in terms of the great goals because he's he's right up there, isn't it?
4: I mean, I was thinking about this last night. Where where does it stand amongst the great goals? Um, and, and obviously with great goals, it, it, they have to be in two categories. One is how important the goal is. Um, and obviously we've had bigger and more important goals than that in the history of United. But where it stands in 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 the greatest goals, um, that we we've, we've ever scored, it's 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 up there in the, in the top three. It has to be. Um, uh, you know, we, we're lucky as a club that we could we could have an a list as long as I am of absolutely amazing goals. Uh, but that that's been coming, you know, that's been coming from from Garnaccio, I believe, for a while now. I've been I've been chanting for him to start. I think he I think he deserves more starts. I think that's the only way we're going to get the best out of him. And I think um I think you hit the nail on the head last night on Twitter when you said there's there's moments in a player's career that kind of, you know, kick starts it turbocharges it. And we've seen that down the years with a lot of our players. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think this could be the moment because for the rest of the game, Everton were terrified of them. They really were. They just kicked Lumsail. And I haven't seen a lot of that uh, from uh, from the opposition on Garnaccio because I don't think they deemed him as much of a threat. Um, and that's justifiable because he hasn't really set the world alight. Uh, but I think, on, I think on 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 Sunday, they that goal could be the platform where he where his career really kicks off uh, i think what a much more balanced side when he plays on the left and rashford's not on the left even though rashford didn't have the greatest of games i do believe he played a lot better than he's played in recent weeks um and maybe he's starting to kick on as well i mean that weighted pass at double was absolutely fantastic there's a few other things i was happy with with rashford yesterday I'm one, i'm one of his biggest critics at the moment um but uh, I mean, the, the goal itself, right up there with 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 obviously with um, Wayne Rooney's and and you know, right up there with Giggsies against Arsenal, uh, that that goal will go down in in history. I mean, I said it last night; it's the goal of the decade, not not the season. You're not going to get a better goal than that. You're really not. Um, I mean, the, we could we could we could spend half the show talking about Sparky's goals and but that was just that was just unbelievable it really took my i, I couldn't honestly i couldn't believe it um when i went in because it was that moment of what the f- i mean you just
0: yeah.
4: it stuns it you, to be honest because if we're being honest i'm not so sure dallow i don't think the cross was the best i think it was behind them Um and that makes it even better because it, it wasn't a pinpoint cross you know and, and to adjust his body and and to be yeah, and and let's not forget, you know, he he scored it against England's number one, uh, who didn't even have a chance because it was top corner. Yeah, it's it's. I've been trying to put put into words what that was yesterday, but for me, top three, without a doubt, in United's history uh, as greatest goals.
2: It's just um it's also made a lot better by the fact that you win. If you don't win the game in football, then um <laughs> you're thinking about it very differently, like oh great goal, but you you're grumbling afterwards because you I to be fair for, for most of that first half, it looked like we might be grumbling this morning, but we're not because early on in the second half, having not played particularly well after scoring the goal, United get a, a goal, it's a disputed penalty. Um a dispute within the fact that he was firstly awarded as a yellow card for a dive at Martial, um, and then it goes to VAR and they check it, and Young's left his foot out, and, you know, I, I know so I'm talking to you both that you've got different views on it, Dave, you think it's a, a cast iron, and, and Paul, you're not, I mean, I, I was of your camp, really, but I felt like, I think it was a penalty, but I think he definitely played for it. Um, Martial, yeah, I don't think he was going to get the ball, but young is committed and that's you know is what it is uh, but then that changes the game completely because United get that second goal Bruno gives the ball to Rashford which is a decent thing to do Rashford I'm still panicking thinking God, to play a confidence like this this is it could go very badly and it didn't and then Bruno obviously a um, very good assist for Martial to score the third United, I haven't even mentioned Kobi Manu yet, um, which I, maybe we'll give him his own separate part. Paul, um, in terms of the 3-0 win, what, what did you make of everything that happened after that um, gone goal?
3: I would just say that it was, a, it was always going to be a difficult game because of, first and foremost, is Everton's situation. was Before the kick-off, all the talk was about. No-one really talked about the game. And it, you know, it took you know, a lot wasn't mentioned. That was a big game for United to go at Goodison because on the last few occasions, it's it's been poor, poor, and poor. I think yeah. that's all it's been at Goodison. You know, I still remember you know the, the four 0 with Oli last game of the season, yeah, and things, and it's been been made very difficult. And Everton, in a way, yes, they you know they showed their feelings towards towards what was what has happened to them. I think that took away that kind of that hatred. Every time United have gone there, that, that side of it, in my opinion, wasn't there. That fire in the belly with the fans, which they give to the players on the park. And to get that goal so early from Gonacho, that made a difference. And then to, to keep that lead and then the second, the penalty, the second one, was the one that broke the camel. There was no way back from after that because to go to Goodison and score three goals, it's, it's, it's a rarity. Not many teams go there and actually do that to Everton. You know you look at most games of Everton, you generally normally get no more than two goals in the game. They don't give a lot away they're never going to score a lot of goals. So to go there in this current climate for, um, for United, for me it's a it's a great result to yeah. go and do that to go and score three goals before a Champions League game. I think it's important. A performance would have been a good performance would have been better, but at the moment, with everything that's going against United, it's what's happening on the pitch what's been said by everybody and then you look at their position in the league and you look at everything you turn around and say to yourself well things aren't that bad on paper it's just that bit underneath where you look at you look at the club as it as it is and you 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 say that's that's the only thing that's wrong really is where the club is at, at, at this moment in time and the performance is on the pitch and and I'm just fed up of hearing everybody being an expert on Manchester United and wanting to keep saying all the time, oh, they've got to get rid of the manager. I still can't get that, get that in my head. Why would they go and do that? And what the circumstances he's had to work under and what he's managed to get out of it at this moment in time, you couldn't get a better manager for what he's having to do with what's yeah. on his back at this moment in time. He isn't managing the side that sits mid-table or is always fighting relegation. He's fighting he's he's fighting with the biggest club in the world with all that goes with it and what you have to do. And at this moment in time, the club are in contention points wise to maybe still win a league. Even though we know in us they're not they're not good enough to go and do it, they're still in contention to win to win a league to win a league, and they're a hundred percent in in with a chance of going getting into the Champions League again. So yeah. there isn't a real problem that side. I just think the people who are invested in it are really the ones that are not really being talked to or being allowed to speak. It's, other people speaking on behalf of Manchester United and it's doom and gloom. Problems with players all the time. And when all those, they shouldn't be out there because the club are in such a, a good position league wise.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, you're quite right. I think I was looking at this and I think it's three goals is the biggest margin that United have had. At goodison there's a couple of times they've scored four but i think they were four one and four two so a three goal winner at goodison is as good as united have ever managed there and um maybe everton were i mean you could see them confidence hit after that second goal it was kind of like oh god Eds went down and united capitalized by scoring a third and that just you know really did sort of put the gloss on the on the thing for united um, a couple of comments in for a two Dave um, Nicholas says he's far well allowed to hand out second yellows. In my opinion, Young should have had it, but not sure the rules allow it. I'm not entirely sure, and I, I think that there's a, that grey area if the, there's bookings on penalties, but if you know if it's the, the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, but it gets pulled back because the goal-scoring opportunity is still there and he scores the goal. I'm not entirely sure on that. Um, I actually thought. Less about the foul and more about the complaining afterwards that you put himself at risk because he didn't show up after, do you know, and um, and he got taken off. Um, eventually, uh, Patrick says, "Morning, all. Perhaps I'm a green thought It was poor leadership to give Rashford the penalty at that stage. we already two or three nil up, and um, fine if we're being ruthless. Bruno should have taken it if he's a designated penalty taker. It's a big risk in my view. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just. I think Bruno." the things that we expect from a traditional captain, we don't really get from Bruno. Maybe it's an interesting psychological thing to see how this is how captains behave from different countries. United don't generally always had a British cap. Well, usually had a British captain. Um,
3: Wayne, it wouldn't surprise me if that had already been talked about, to be fair. I don't think Bruno would have straight away would have happened. That happened too quickly to, you know, to just for him to go, Oh, you can take it. And we, we got to look at yeah, Bruno. There was, no, there was no
4: discussion. There was no, no discussion. There was no, to, that.
3: That was pre-planned, in my opinion. Just because everything you, we've seen about Bruno, we know the way how how reactive he is. Yeah, I would say that was pre-planned. That if there's a penalty, he's mostly asked already. Can I have that? Because I just I need a goal. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's
3: it. My, my my opinion.
2: And, and and he did it, you know. And we, I don't think it's a considering he scored it. I don't think it's a massive talking point. If he missed it, it might be a different one. Um, Patrick mm-hmm. says, I agree with Mr Parker. Some of the anti-Tenog drivel is ridiculous. One of the things I miss about Fergie is the banning of certain journalists for looking for a problem, i.e. Like brand not starting recently. Um, yeah, good point. Tenog's definitely had the critics. Um, and to be fair, I know Paul, well, Paul just said there, Dave, about you know, United being in... Um, Contention now, and a couple of weeks ago, with the you know, I always look at it from this point of view with with a complete compliment. I can see United challenging in any game, really. I can, uh, but then when they don't, when we miss two or three players, even two or three, the drop off is so um, significant that we're we can struggle to contain any team in the league. It's it's where the the drop off is so significant, really, but. The one thing that has encouraged me in the last couple of weeks is we were hoping, and one of the things we said on one of the podcasts was, with this mess of injuries, Ten Hag needs to start finding solutions. And, I mean, he kind of is, at least. You know, like Maguire stepped up a little bit. Maguire, um, Lindelof was fine yesterday. I don't think there was a problem. Um, Dallow was a lot better yesterday than what he has been uh, before the international break. Um McTominay, we generally only mention him when he's played poorly because it's so obvious that he played poorly, but he did a decent, quiet job yesterday. Um, I was I, I didn't think Rashford played as well as you thought he did, but um you, you know he scored and and was pivotal in one of the goals. So all the things that could have go wrong didn't go wrong for United. And I guess that lends to the idea of a couple of players coming back, like Shaw sure provides more balance on the left, and that's a big difference to everyone's game. Um, and Menu, we still haven't talked about, but we will. Um, all these things, and by the way, giving Menu his debut at Goodison, a ground where we've crumbled many times. Big call by Tenag, bigger performance by Mainu for that. Uh, but yeah, Dave. Goal aside, what do you reckon about um, what? What do you reckon about the performance yesterday?
4: I mean, it was <clears throat> everything getting the ten points uh, deduction. Wasn't a benefit to Manchester United at all. If anything, it was going to make the game even harder. I was very, I was concerned going into that game, um, because Everton away is always difficult. Um, and then the ten point deduction uh, worked in their favor because uh, I mean Paul Paul hit the nail on the head there when he said that the crowd were very subdued against Manchester United and more focused on letting the Premier League know. And I think that had a massive, massive part to play in that game yesterday because you know, Fergie has even said in the past, I mean, there was times where he wouldn't even play Rooney because it was so hostile at at, at Goodison. Um, So, you know, going there was always going to be difficult. But I never thought of it that way until Paul said that, you know, the the crowd was just not focused on Manchester United, which was a benefit to us. Um, You know, we obviously started with a fantastic goal. And then for me, it was the, and I've been very critical of this player, you know, for the past few months, but it was the Onana show. I mean, we haven't mentioned him yet, but he, in the first half yesterday, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, I still think every now and then there's a blunder in him still, but he was absolutely fantastic. He kept it at 1-0. Um, having Luke Shaw back was, you could just see the instant improvement in that team. Uh, it Like you said, there's a more balanced side. That left side was just more secure. There was... There was just more freedom up and down that wing. Um, but I think I think going to Goodison is always going to be a tough game. Uh, but, you know, w- winning 3-0, I never thought that at the start of the game that that would happen. I thought we'd get away with a draw. But um, the Bruno situation, you know what? I, I know Patrick said that, you know, it-, it was poor leadership. I actually think it was the opposite. I really do. Um, I think it's great leadership that a, a captain can see a player that's struggling. And I do believe that it was pre-planned. Um, I, I obviously think that you know, Bruno thought, well, hopefully we'll be two or three goals up if this happens. you know, And it's not going to be nil-nil in the last minute and having to give Rashford a penalty. Uh, because when he gave him the ball, the, I'm not sure what he's seeing with the camera pan to Fletcher and, and Ten Hag in the crowd. And you could actually see both of them. Basically saying, what the hell is he doing? I mean, what's going on here? Um, so I think it was fantastic leadership from a captain. It's a fifty-fifty chance, isn't it? And and you know that's what Bruno is all about—taking chances, constantly taking chances. And um, and yesterday it worked for the better. Uh, it was an absolutely fantastic penalty, though. I mean, top corner, uh, brilliant it was. Confidence is must be down on the ground at this at this page for Ashford to step up one 0 because you know. It, you miss a penalty and it just gives you the team, you know, a G up then and, and the opportunity then and they get one up on you because uh, they, they'll start kicking on from that. But I thought it was, you know, I know everyone has their opinion about it, but for me, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic decision by, by um, Fernandez. Now we're sitting here the day after and we've scored. Would I have had a different opinion if we'd missed it? I mean, probably not because I think he made the right decision. What else can you do to try and, and get a gold scorer to score? Give them the best opportunity. And the best opportunity is a penalty, right? So, for me, I think it was great leadership. Um, I think, in the end, we were worth the 3-0. I've I seen a few commentators saying that that didn't reflect the scoreline. It, it really did. Because, you know, Everton had some chances in the first half. And Onana was, you know, was was pretty pretty good in the first half. But I think in the second half, we, we were a much better team. We were much more organized. Um and there was uh, there was a nice flow to it, and you know we got the biggest game of our season coming up midweek, and as uh Mr. Parker has said many times before, you know Fergie's Fergie's big thing was a big performance before a big game, um, and I think we got that yesterday. Uh, we got that big performance, and and I'm fairly confident going into midweek against Galatasaray. I really am.
2: Um, let's talk about Kobe Menu. Um absolutely magnificent performance, especially for a debut. Um, I was trying to rack my brains if I've seen a better midfield display for United this season. I don't think I have. Um, I don't think I've seen one all year, really. Casemiro's an obvious choice of... So He was brilliant in the calling cup game. Calling cup? Oh my god. Um, Carabao thingy, my Bob. Against (laughs) Palace. Um, Casemiro was. But that was a very weak Palace side, and the conditions for that compared to to what we saw yesterday for Menu, um, Paul, you and I have talked multiple times, firstly about Menu, but obviously about the other players as well, like Garnacho and other players like Dan Gore and Hannibal, and <coughs> um, their temperament. I mean, Hannibal's a good example of someone that Tenag appears to have used quite well in that you know he's obviously made an impact, but he doesn't seem quite ready, and we're still sort of the, the jury's out on whether he's got the temperament to. Basically, play like what Mainu did yesterday, which was to anchor that midfield responsibly, use the ball responsibly, use it wisely, always be in position, always keep the ball moving, always be progressive with it, always be responsible with what you're doing. And I guess the, the point is with a, a young player, it's not... Because United have got hordes of talented young players. It's about temperament on an occasion. That's what you see with that's what made the class of 92 so different. It's what's made you know United as a club so uniquely different. into the, the temperament of the younger players like a Fletcher and an O'Shea, to just come into a level seamlessly and, and play like a forever? It looked like that looked like Maine was 30th, 30th game that he'd been. Like there'd been some. Picture
0: the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Training for him to do that kind of role, like he'd had a run of six or seven games to prepare him to play for a hotbed atmosphere at Goodison and to take the sting out of it because he did that in a way that I don't think any of our other midfielders are capable of doing at, the, at this moment in time. That's how, how impressive it was. know, um, obviously he made an impact defensively, clearing one off the line as well. I joked on Twitter that, you know, which one of the new twins are we going to give the man of the match too, because he was everywhere. Um What? Well, how impressed were you with him for, especially for his debut? But in general, how impressed were you by seeing him play in in a game like that and, and play the way they did?
3: Well, I think I mean, you know he's been oh, he's sorry. been doing.
2: It. Oh, sorry, is that, that? Well, No, no. I'll go for Paul first. He's the pro. Keep it
3: short and sharp. Um I just think they've been talking about him for ages. Everyone's always mentioned him when things haven't been right, especially in midfield, because midfield has always been a big talking point over quite a few seasons now. And it seemed like the midfielders needed something like that. And Casemiro <clears throat> always, you know, looked like that he was going to be that one, even though everyone knew that he was only going to be for a certain amount of time. And it was about to it lent it lent a bit of time then to find someone else. And his name Mayhew, is always the one that's come up. And he's delivered when asked for. You know, you said about you talked then I'm sure you was just saying anyway, about it seemed like he'd been trained for that moment to go to Goodison. Difficult place in that, and it's not bad. It's you're born to be able to do that way to be calm. Sometimes some players are too calm, and all you want to gear them up sometimes. But it's their nature; <clears throat> they play where they're not phased, and and that's <clears throat> that's what like the Robber was like. Really, he was never phased. He got wound up. He got very aggressive, especially if someone had hurt one of his teammates or done something. He felt it is within his job to go and make sure that that person doesn't go and do it again. You know, and and you can't find, but you can't find those kind of people. They just they just come they just come around. Yeah. But it's about being able to switch it on and switch it off. And it could be that player who goes and does that to go and do that. And like you say, for that clearance off the line. You know, you think yourself, well, yeah, but you think about a Brian Robson done that, a Roy Keane would do things like that, a Paul Ince would definitely do things like that. You know, where where we're looking at now, midfield players that take them have virtually typecasting them in positions. It's just nice to see somebody who's kind of could, you know, is an all-rounder. To be perfectly honest, that's what that's what the thing I liked about it to come in and step in at Goodison, given how United have been there over the years and what it's been like for them. For them and we've, like we've seen more experienced players lose their heads, get frustrated, lose lose, you know, their inhibitions. Uh, Everything's just dissolved he's gone and, he's gone and done really well, but the most important thing now is in my opinion is his next game, and he's got to be given that next game. Yeah, has okay. to be given because he knows he's played well he'd feel it he he would have felt himself that he's played well other than being told and seen it online everywhere you know, so I think now he needs that he needs that game. Is it right to play him midweek in out there where you're talking? five times bigger than what it was at Goodison. Goodison of last season, not this season. Um, that's the one the manager got to make his mind up because that, that's enough to test any player, any yeah. player what they're going to go into there. So I like, I really like what I saw. And, you know, the kids, the kid, he's going to do it. He's going to crack it without a shadow of a doubt. There's been players, and I talked about Hannibal of late. I like what he'd done during the bad periods, the Burnley game you know, where he played really well, but always always felt that he, he's the one at that moment in time, but was he going to be the one after everybody gets back and every, the manager gets what he wants, that one to make the mark? I would say I was, I'm was. i not sure, and I'm still, you know, even gone even lower on that now. It's, it's going to be a tougher one for him. But I think this lad, you know, he's going to be a starter in my opinion. Yeah. He has to He has to be. They've been, everyone's been talking about him. It's that opportunity. And I think the manager now, just the way things are with him. Common sense says to give the youngster a run. Everyone has been batting for you as a manager. They've stood by you because you deserve that, because of the way you've handled everything. And we, everyone knows what the strife is in. But I think to go and do that now, you'll gain even more respect off of, the, off of the real Manchester United fans because he's doing something that Sir Alex would have done with a young player. He would have given them an opportunity. If that lad goes and grabs it, that lad has taken a place. Yeah. I've got to stop there because because I'm starting to think about Gary Neville, and I don't want to get emotional. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, yeah, I know. What you're yeah, um, Dave, Manu. I mean, it's so accomplished as a debut. I think that one of the things that he's lost, and we haven't really talked about it, because United did win fairly comfortably. You've touched on it a couple of times about you know the. The good spell that Evan Evan had in the first half, but the thing that really shone through about that is that Mainu was the composing influence. He was the one who calmed everything down, and when he got the ball, he's kind of like, "All right, what do we do to move forward?" He's not panicking. He's not saying we take the safe decision. You were seeing with some of the defenders, you do see it from time to time, like Lindelof, and even Shaw was guilty of it. They'll they'll just hoof the ball directionlessly. If they're in a bit of a panic, they'll just get it out and sort of reorganize. Mainu wasn't like that. He's like and you and I have grown up with players like Paul and Dennis Irwin, who, you know, defenders who don't get flustered in those kind of scenarios, spoiled. It's the, the reason why they're some of the greatest defenders to play. So I'm not criticising Sean Lindelof for that. What I'm doing is praising Manu and his temperament by what he was able to do in there, because now you're looking at him and thinking, all right, there's definitely no argument for Casemiro coming back in. I've known some people saying that he's on the scrap heap, but he's too established. To, to not give him another run of games. Uh, obviously, he's going to be given that run of games. Maynou seems like the perfect player to play alongside him because he can do some of the things that Casemiro does, maybe not to the extreme world-class level, but he, all the parts are there, really, and everything that he does, does in a way, and he's probably, well, there's not probably about it. He's, it's definitely he's more mobile than Casemiro currently is. Um, so he, he's almost like a perfect foil for him. So Mount Eriksson, probably some other players that I'm I'm thinking of, will probably just have to sit and wait and give let this guy have a chance because I mean it's you want to get carried away with the golden goal that Garnacho scored, but you also want to get carried away with what Manu did because we we knew that he was in him, we knew that he had the talent, but to actually see it go out there, you know, like to to play and dominate a game like that and, and really get United through that period where they needed to get to that second goal. That was all down to calm common influence, really, and his, his ability to progress the play and, and, and calm it down. His responsible use of the ball and everything like that. Um, what, what did you make of him and what do you reckon to Paul? I mean, i make complete agreement that he's, I would say, the first, maybe not every single game, yeah, Galatasaray, maybe take him out of that one, but he, he'll be playing games in that first-team picture for the rest of the season. He, he's got to be in that starting picture now.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it'd be a hard argument to um, to say that, that, you know, the greatest debut I've, I've seen, I think most United fans have probably seen, is Wayne Rooney's debut. Um, but that that debut yesterday was right up there. It really was in terms of going from, you know, Rooney, Rooney came from a Premier League team to a Premier League team. Um, he was already being tipped for the top, you know, obviously after that goal against Arsenal. But... I've I've seen Manu enough times in the reserves and and, and the, the U teams to know that that this guy is, is is going to be something special and and the reason I say that is that it, when when you when I've seen him in preseason as well and we know preseason can, can not really tell you a lot but I thought he was very very impressive in preseason before he got injured but the point I'm going to try and make is that hopefully it comes across is that when I watched him in the reserves team, the calmness of him is just unbelievable. He just calms everything down. He doesn't get phased. He's good in the tackle. His awareness of where people are around him is just phenomenal. You know, everything on the half-torn, he's just... But to take that that type of, of performance and then take that step up to the Premier League, away to Everton, and still play as if he's playing in the reserves, if that makes sense. Um, because to him, it didn't... It, and and I don't know why to him it didn't look like it was a step up, if that made sense. It just looked like he, he was there, he was born to be there, and he's been there for a long time. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me. And I was I was good when he was taken off after 70 minutes. Absolutely good. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is this is what I paid my sky sports subscription for. Put him back on, get him back on. Now I get it. 70 minutes into your day, your everything game looked like it was won. I understand that, but I was disappointed. And, and I'm lately I haven't been disappointed when we've taken players off. I'm like, Jesus, that's twenty minutes too late. Um, but he he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. And I I I think you know it would be an injustice to him to not play him against Galatasaray. I mean, later on we're going to talk about you know Paul's experience at Galatasaray where there was a little bit of a tear or a little argument that went on on that day. And. Um, I, you know, obviously that stadium is an absolute nightmare. Um, every time you see them in European games, it, it it must be, it must be frightening for for players. Players can buckle under. I just don't think that this kid would buckle under. You know, I really don't. And and maybe it was it was it was in Ten Hag's mind that, you know, Everton away is a very very hostile atmosphere. This is the preparation for Galatasaray away. If I'm, being, if I'm being honest, if he's going to take him out of one of the games, I would do it against Newcastle. I really would. This game on midweek is, their, is our biggest game of the season. It's a game we have to win. Some of the more established players in the team won't give us any more than what Manu could possibly give us. Um, they'll give us less. I mean, even if he does kind of like freeze a little bit on the night, I still think that he's going to be better than anyone else that we put in there. Because his calmness yesterday in the ball, his crunching into the tackles, um, and then obviously that clearance off the line. Um, if, 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 I, I, I think I got yesterday what I expected to get from him because I have such high praise for him. You know, I really do. I was good when he got injured against Real Madrid. I really was. I was hoping that, okay, I hope this isn't the end because some players have an opportunity. They have a window. But obviously, Ten Hag sees a lot more of them than we do in training. And it was an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal debut. If it's at home against, and no disrespect at home against, I don't know, Bournemouth, you're kind of going, well, you know, it was a good performance, but it was a way to Everton. And as Paul rightly said, we it, it's not often we go there and and win a game, let alone be so good to win that game. Um, I know there was moments when Everton played well, but for me, right up there with Rooney's, uh, Rooney still is my debut ever. You know, three goals, Champions League. Uh, that for me, well, I don't think would ever be beaten. Um, but Mane was close there. We got a lot of close this weekend, and ironically, both of them are in relation to Wayne Rooney. You know, the goal, and um, and then the debut. You know, two different players. We focused back to the same player, uh, Wayne Rooney. But for me, I think his his debut was absolutely phenomenal. It was just, like I said, it was his calmness on the ball. It was just like everything just seemed to slow down when he got the ball. You know, yeah. and he was absolutely I'd say I'd say the Everton fans and the Everton players were more than happy to see him go up after seventy minutes.
2: Yeah. Um I absolutely agree with you. Um the third part in the Wayne Rooney connection was the fact that it was at Everton. But I'll let you off not being a stato as much as uh, a nerd as much as I am with that. But yeah, I mean it was just just the thing that you both really commented on, which is um the thing about every great player, is that the game moves to their pace. And for a player like to do that on his debut was just mental, really, it really is. Um so looking forward to seeing more of him. Uh Paul, you, you didn't you stopped talking earlier because of the, you know, the power of nostalgia. But we are going to take you back to Galatasaray in nineteen ninety three. Um, United go there this week needing to win and um, to stay in the Champions League. It looks very remote chance of doing that. You had to win to stay in the European Cup and that didn't happen because of uh, Galatasaray player's rolling around from the first minute and wasting time but also because of the incredible atmosphere uh, the fans being in the stadium 6 hours before kick-off uh, one of the most notorious trips in games away games in United history let alone European history say so Galatasaray everyone thing. we played there in 94 no it as I say, 94, 95, we played there as well, but it's still um, not quite 1993. And, and the, that old stadium's been knocked down and they've got a new stadium now, but the atmosphere's still pretty mad in there. It's, it might not be quite as crackers, but it's, it's going to be quite intimidating. Um I, I guess in, in a two-part summary, um, your memories of that one and how you think United will fare on, on Wednesday? <sighs>
3: Well that one I mean the memories just start from the moment the plane landed really it was just it was just crazy it's just like virtually the airport decided that you know that everyone could try and get get as many people into the airport as possible to abuse people coming on a flight from Manchester and can they bring placards and bed sheets with threatening words on it um sing songs to threaten teams but smile as you're doing it um, it was an incredible occasion and the, the boss kind of teed us all up for it and it was and we got what we we got maybe a lot more than what we was expecting, but we, we arrived and it was quite ferocious. I mean, went to this lovely hotel just on the river. Can't remember the name of it, but it's the one that splits Europe and um, Asia. And we stayed there. with everything was wonderful, the staff were lovely to us. The day of the game, it seemed like somebody took away their happy pills and they decided to be aggressive and nasty. The people who were in the little foyer areas who were shining shoes and that—if any of us had decided to have our shoes shined—they would have put acid mostly on the rags, dragged that across your toes, saying, hey, "We're shining your boots," but they—they they weren't. They were taking your toes off with acids. He got very nasty, and the moment we arrived—and as you mentioned, the singing and all that before—and we went on the pitch um, before before just to have a have a look at the stadium and we we went up and all of a sudden you could just see people in there already and when I say people 80% of the clubs in this country would want a crowd like that just to watch a game not just to be in there there many hours before the game singing songs and we went and it was quadraphonic it was just from there and then it went to there and it was something that I keep doing that to people. And I think people think I'm talking rubbish, but it was just an incredible atmosphere before we even started. And once we got out on that pitch, as you said, you know, you breathed and a player fell down in front of you. The ref stopped the game. And then he got up and got to his feet. And then you went somewhere else and you breathed again. And another player, the game never got going. It's like watching games today, by the way. Virtually there must have been that. Any player breathes on you, you are allowed to go down. Um, and it was. I mean, if, if we're talking 90 minutes of football, a game's 90 minutes. There would have been less than 45 minutes of the ball in play. They yes. just played the game out, and they was happy just to just to stop us going through. And it's still classed as their great. They still class it as their greatest night. Coming to greatest night, but now that might have changed a bit because they've they've come to Old Trafford and won. Then to then the opportunity now to do a double over yeah. United to be something it's incredible I mean I went across there and i done some filming now um when the when the draw was made they, they made the draw and I was asked to go and do some filming I was trying to think when i done it about January February of this year for a program on BT Sport about it and it and we just we went around we went to where that where the hotel we stayed in and um it was quite just to chat and I was chatting then to their um the player who was the captain as well it was me and him doing doing it together and what he was just telling me everything was good about that game it was about to stop this, to stop that and we have to remember they had some talented, talented players Two Guy was one of them a young Two Guy who was a horrible brat horrible everything about him was was horrible, arrogant but he was a great player and you need that to be a great player Especially the arrogant side, because you have to believe in yourself. There's a, a margin in arrogance that you need to be a great player. And two guy proved that that evening, and he proved <clears> that how good a player he was when he when he came and he played for, come here and played for Blackburn Rovers. and was talented, but it was a horrible <clears throat> horrible night of a non-football night, and we go out of the Champions League, and and it was a horrible feeling after that. What went on with Eric and? And then the police just virtually just left us on their own, going down to the changing rooms. We was going down concrete steps and the police are trying to hit us, trying to get out the ground, grabbed all our gear, didn't even bother, showers, just get straight to the airport. <clears throat> left us on the runway on the coach, everyone laughing at us in the, um, in the airport. It was their night and they ruined it. They absolutely were going to ruin it for Manchester United. Done it on the field, they were going to do it as we're leaving the country. And it's been going on for years. I've got an old school friend who lives out there, he lives in a place called Bodrum, I think it's called. And they, yeah. you know, they go and watch. They go and watch Galata, they're Galatasaray fans. Um. But they go and if they become Galatas. They love the atmosphere, and they they become, you know, they call them gala gala. That's what they, that's what they say, and absolutely love going there because the atmosphere. But you know. They're going mad because everything about beating Manchester United Old Trafford was the biggest news for years and years. To so go and do it again, those players are going to have to go through that again. So the manager is going to have to rethink about what he does again, you know, to make sure he's got the right players who can handle that because you do need cool heads. We didn't have that that night. Eric lost, Eric lost, it, lost his way when he went out there, and that was down to Eric. Eric hated losing. He couldn't stand losing. We all hate to lose but no one more than Eric. He had that little bit more, that edge about, he just hated it. He couldn't get, he couldn't, because he couldn't do what he wanted to do because the ref wasn't helping us. The ref yeah. was part and parcel of what was going on. It, yeah. was a ter- it was terrible, some of the decisions that was coming out, coming out of his head and, you know, transferring to a whistle. Um, so I'm hoping that United can go and score that first goal so important, that first goal that they go there as it was important to score the first goal against Everton yeah. to ask a question, to get to get it going and but if they allow um, Galatasaray to score that first goal then it makes it even more difficult because so the atmosphere will, will go up again. We have got to remember we're talking about Galatasaray and they will go for 90 minutes. You know, it's not like being at the Etihad, you know, like there where there's where there's no great feeling that you're at you're at somewhere big with a Something difficult to beat. Like you go to Etihad, you have to beat the team. You go to Galatasaray, you have to beat the team, and you have to take on the fans as well. And yeah. the only way to take on the fans is to go and beat the team. Yeah,
2: and yeah, that,
3: that's the difference.
2: It's yeah. There was, I remember that game so well, and I remember the the referee blew up like right on time, right on ninety, and there was at least like yeah. four minutes, four or five minutes. And we're talking that people will you know, now they put up the boards and they put up the electronic boards. There was a time when they put up just a a number, didn't they? They, For about two or three years, and there was an electronic board that they could just change the number on. And now it's like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then you wouldn't get more than three or four, and it'd just be sort of like played until the referee blew, and like four minutes would be an extreme amount of time. Uh, they'd usually be like between two and three. In fact, usually between one and two, and then three for like lengthy stoppages and four. And everyone's expecting like four or five in this game. It gives you right. the extent of like everyone, like that's how much people were expecting to be added because of how much time would be wasted. And the referee blew on right on nine eh, um, probably just wanting to hear how up there, yeah, and that's what I think so. that's one of the things that wound Canton also up so much. Um, and he he called the referee a cheat afterwards, and he was in there, it's, it's caused so much trouble. But this guy, the referee, was actually done for match fixing like a couple of years yeah. later. Um, it's like some, a great story, you can go and check it up. Um, and it's not so great that United were eliminated, but um, Dave, I mean, it's not just Galatasaray right? United have had. It's not worth checking to real through them, but United have had some stinkers in in Turkey. You know, I remember getting battered by Galatasaray uh, after uh, not in '96 when we won and they won Old Trafford, but we, we, they were the first team to ever win a European game, at Old Trafford uh, away away game. Anyway, Elvia, Bolic scoring a goal that deflected over it off David May's thigh and into the net. What a load of Bolic The the newspapers said the day after, and it was really. Uh, But United, in the the return from the Wayne Rooney game, they got battered out in Fenerbahce. I think it was a dead rubber. But I think we've had Galatas, right? We've played them since in in the new stadium, I'm I'm pretty sure. And we've played Bursa Spoh. Istanbul when Rafa was playing for them, uh, Basak actually here a couple of years ago when they they won out there when one of the was it the, the, when they the corner and the goalkeeper Anderson was sort of left exposed and they ran and scored from that. Uh, so you know, yeah, United do not have a great record in Turkey. They need to win to to keep their hopes alive in the Champions League. And I've pretty much resigned myself to the fact that we won't be in the knockout stages, and it's about whether or not they get the Europa place, and <laughs> um, which is. You know, definitely not something to take for granted as well. Uh, what are you expecting this week?
4: Um, I mean, I don't think I'm expecting anything at the level of 93. <clears throat> I think that's just out on its own. Uh, in, in regard to a spectacle of, of how fans and hatred can spill down onto the pitch, I mean, still to this day, which is 93, what's 30 years later. I think we can all recall pretty much the whole game, you know, and, and the complete robbery that took place. Um, and no surprise that a few years later that referee gets stoned for bribery. Um, I mean, it, it, it also <clears throat> it also reminds you how insane Eric Cantona was, is that with all that spilling down on the pitch and the riot police and all, he still wanted to take on everyone in that stadium. You know he wanted to take on everyone and anyone that came forward so i mean that's why we loved him you know and not just for his football but for, for the, the the pure adrenaline that he had and for the as paul said he just didn't he, he didn't want to lose him in any circumstances and you know some players will go to a stadium like that and and you may see them and you know let's say for instance like a vinnie jones i just went around kicking people all day long in the premier league you stick him out he will He'll wilter, he will, you know. But Eric was just insane that night. So, again, one of the reasons why I love him and still still love him. Um, but I'm confident about this week. I really am. I I I do believe, you know, especially after that performance and that win against Everton, um, I think we will go there and and, and win. Um, the dilemma here is that, you know, are we good enough to win the Champions League if we get to the knockout stages? I've seen worse teams win it. But there's some really good teams in the Champions League this year. Um, did you know? Do I know you got to be in it to win it? I don't believe we would win the Champions League. Um, but then again, the look at a draw could help you. Anything can happen in a cup competition. We all know that. And like I said, worst teams have won it. it. Is our best chance of a European trophy dropping down into the Europa League? I don't know. It's just it's just it's more games, isn't it? We're out of the Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup. You know, um, if we go out of Europe, it gives us a good run at the league and the FA Cup. And I know, you know, uh, every team goes into every competition wanting to win it. Um, but there is certain competitions where you kind of look and go, "Well, I would sacrifice it." Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of wandering on here, like in a Wayne Barton way. But um, I do believe that, you know, I do believe we'll win it. I just, <laughs> I just, I, I'll cut it down to three minutes, though. Um, I just don't know whether it's going to do us any good going through the knockout stage or going into the Europa League for the rest of our season. Um, you know, cause there's, some good, there's some good teams in the Europa League. We know that at uh, the finals here in Ireland. So I'd be happy um, if we got there. Um, but <clears throat> I do think we we will win. I do believe that. But I just don't know how how much of a benefit it's going to be for us going through in the Champions League if we do go through all yeah, these. I'd rather not. I'd rather just go out of those competitions altogether. If, if if it's a choice between the Europa League and going out of Europe, I'd rather just go out of Europe. It gives us a better chance of getting Champions League qualification for next season. Uh, because well, we can, we can purpose to do this again.
2: So, to, to, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's do you, do you just go through that exact same process of losing three or four games and then go, oh, well, we qualify for this again, do you know?
4: Yeah, no, I, well, I, I just think, you know, in our, current, in our current situation, the way we are and with the players that we have, um, I don't think it's going to do us any benefits to go through to the knockout stage and get eliminated then and um, to add more games. I really don't. Um, I just don't think we're good enough to win the Champions League. Um, and the Europa League's a massive distraction. Um, it really is. You know, that Thursday night and Sunday game, then Tuesday game, then Saturday. It, it's just uh, we we spoke earlier on where you said that you know we lose two or three players and we're a completely different team. We're a mid-table team. Um we don't have the, the squad to challenge on all four fronts. We really don't, regardless of whether being in your way for the Champions League. So for me I think that for, for our for our league position, I think it would be more of a benefit to go out of Europe, even though that's the I still think we'll beat Galatasaray, but I just don't think in the long run it's going to do us any good. Um, I do believe that the Champions League is, is, is our priority to get back into it. We'll have a much stronger team. We'll have a bigger squad, I do believe. Um, I think Ten Hag, you know, it's a different season if he has a fully fit squad. It really is. You can see that. You can see as each player comes back, we're getting better and better. Martinez is back in training. Um, I think they've super glued around back together again for another few weeks um uh and Hoyland wasn't fired off playing this week uh, he made me may be available for wednesday or and, and then obviously newcastle next weekend saturday night and so we're not that far off we really aren't uh, uh putting a good run together and as paul and earlier on it's crazy to think that all the criticism united have been given but we're only you know four points off towards spot you know yeah. that's the madness of all this so a fully fit united squad I think we will climb up that table. I'm just not. I still think we'll win this weekend. Or this weekend against Galatasaray, I just don't know if for the season it's going to do us any good. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I th- was it Fergie who said that the standard of this club should always be to get to the knockouts of the Champions League? And it's an interesting one. Do you, knowing that we're probably not likely to win it, and still hope that we qualify? Obviously, going to think that we should one to win every single game of football. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure uh, to see what happens with that. Um, I don't think we'll preview Newcastle today because we've, we've run over an hour and the guys have given me too much of their time already. And I guess very quick summary in a Dave Murphy way. Newcastle, tough. Midfield, tough. Maybe we'll... <laughs> um, Buckle under the atmosphere, which is much the same as you could have said for previewing this game um, against Everton. And at least we won that. And a lot to look forward to um, the week. And, you know, the players are coming back. Things are looking brighter than what they were a few weeks ago. And um, I was quite pessimistic after the run of some of the performances and defeats and thinking, you know, even Champions League qualification looked way beyond us because we had too many injuries. And But then does few players come back and it does make such a profound difference. And, you know, if if Menu steps up and if Garnacho is is ready, then these are two players who can add electric into a team. And, I mean, we've seen it before, that electric can carry a team a very, very long way. Um, Really appreciate the guys being with me this morning. If you've watched live on YouTube or Facebook, if you can still get your comments and questions in because we reply on the uh, replays. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, if you can like, subscribe, and leave a, a platform on the, the uh, leave a platform, leave a review on the platform you're listening on. This is my problem. If I do, I can read my notes and all the words come out all jumbled, like so I'm trying to rush through an outro. Um, if you leave a review on the platform you're listening on and don't mention my mixed words, like again, don't mention Dave's long rambles, don't mention my long rambles, just mention good things in the review. It would help us out a lot and we'd appreciate it. I would appreciate it anyway. Um, Until next week, guys, we'll be back. Um, So stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening and watching.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends,